As a psychologist, I'm often asked how people can just change so drastically as if they could just flip a switch and turn to bad, self-destructive behaviors. I think about this often, and certainly Parshas Bo has generated a powerful insight into human behavior, and I feel this has like created a slight shift in my thinking. The drama in the Parsha, Parsha's bow, continues to unfold as Hashem fiercely pounds the Egyptians with plagues. However, the Parsha begins with the name of Hashem as Yudke Vavke, which is the gentler of the two words to describe Hashem, the name that employs the attribute of mercy. In addressing this seemingly inconsistent word to describe how Shem is going to instruct Moshe to tell Paro what he's in for, the Orachayim HaKadosh says something astounding. He says that the attribute of mercy was actually pleased to transfer into the harsh meat of judgment for this occasion. This can seem pretty astonishing to the black and white thinker. It's either mercy or judgment. You can't switch. But no, we're being told that you can make the switch. Look at parents. They do it all the time. Sometimes they can be very kind. However, there are times where a parent has to be firm. And it still shows they care, but there is a switch. So, how can we understand this in the context of two opposing traits or two different personalities? So, we usually associate personalities with stability. Most people's personalities remain stable over time. This is basic Psych 101. There are certain things about humans that remain relatively consistent over time. For example, IQ. A six-year-old is expected to have relatively the same IQ when she turns 16. That's because IQ scores are normed per each age group and are a stable, consistent trait. And personalities are also very stable. They're relatively stable, I should say. An adolescent who has been introverted since he was a kid will likely remain introverted as an adult. There are some some, uh, exceptions recorded in the Torah. One notable exception is Paro. We're told, at least according to one shita, that when it says, that a new king arose over Egypt, that it was the same Paro who had a major change of heart. After all Yosef had done to save Egypt and make it a great place to live, this is how Paro pays him back. So we're told nothing that Yosef did personally to offend Paro. All we're told was the idea that the Jews were becoming a larger population. No crimes committed. So what's going on here? I think what's happening is what underlies most of psychopathology, and that is jealousy intertwined with guilt. So what guilt did Paro have? It has to be that he felt bad that the Jews were surpassing him in number. This is what the Torah says specifically. While his own Egyptian population was remaining stagnant and not growing. And I've spoken in the past that one ultimately has to face the guilt that comes with stagnation. It takes a radical change to feel like you're finally making progress. Paro and his advisors couldn't bear to watch another nation outnumber them, and therefore he had a major change of a hardened heart. Lahavdil, we take a look at the major incident in the Torah in a few parshias from now, Parshish Kisisa, where the Jewish people sin with the eagle, the golden calf. We can ask the same question which everyone asks. How is it possible that after seeing all the miracles of the plagues and the splitting of the sea, that the Jewish people suddenly shift and do something terrible? So what does Moshe do? He throws down the luchos, and then he looks at the nation. And the Torah says, if we take a look in that parsha, in Vayar Moshe Moshe sees the people, who, that it was uncovered, Kifaru'o Aaron. And Pira'o is spelled Pei Resh Ayin Hei, that Aaron uncovered them. The Torah chooses to use the word Pira'o to show 
the Jewish or how the Jewish people's sin was uncovered. Ironically, obviously, Pirao is spelled the same way as Paro, and this Pusik represented the radical shift that occurred within the Jews when they sinned with the golden calf. They sinned and they did something very bad because they couldn't see any growth, growth that they wanted to see right away. And when there is stagnation and no growth, people who are ordinarily good people, they turn to do some very bad things. Still, this isn't commonly seen in the Torah. Evil rulers are pretty evil throughout their lives. Yishmol and Esav, descendants of Avram and Yitzchak, still made us, they still make us think of troubled and evil people through and through. Amalek, we still have an obligation to obliterate the name of Amalek. These were evil people whose evil was pretty stable of a trait. Negative, but stable. But where in Tanakh do we find another such person that had a change perhaps even more radical than what we see in Paro? And I found the answer in the most unlikely place. If you look through Megillus Rus, you don't find too much drama. It takes a thorough reading of the story behind the story to understand why this book was even necessary. We know basically how it goes. Lots of people die in the first few Pupsukim, and Naomi is left with just her daughters-in-law, Rus and Arpa. And we have the beautiful expression of Rus, where she commits herself to Naomi by saying, wherever you go, I'll go, wherever you sleep, I'll sleep, and so on and so forth. But the other sister, Arpa, however, decides to leave. She was blessed somewhat by having giants descend from her, but she goes away, and all we hear is that she didn't make such great choices after that. What happened to Arpa that she just dropped out of the book and off the face of the planet? So I'm postulating that Arpa felt pangs of guilt as well. Guilt that she would no longer be productive. Without a husband or children, what should she do? Something then snapped. She became a most perverse woman by engaging in immoral relationships right after leaving the holiness that she experienced in the home of Nami. When a person feels unproductive, they may snap and do something radical. There is a connection, I think, between Paro and Arpa. They both felt like they were stagnating. Their dreams were shattered, so they had to do something radical, and their personalities totally changed. The ultimate thing that happened was that they became self-destructive. And there's one other connection that's fascinating between Paro and Arpa. Take a look at the letters that spell the word Paro. Pei, Resh, Ayin, Hei. They just happen to be the same exact letters of the name Orpa. In summary, the idea is that when people are stagnating and feeling like they're not growing at all, they do something radical. Sometimes it's radical in a negative way, but sometimes we need a radical shift in order to produce something positive. So I hope that we can all learn a lesson from this week's Parsha and the understanding of psychopathology and how people change and how people flip that switch, that we can flip it in a positive direction and instead of stagnating, we become very generative people. Have a good Shabbos.